right now in our Bible Institute. So this is our Bible Institute. 805 students as of today, which is cool, from all over the world. It just keeps growing, and I get a kick out of that. Uh, so people are learning and growing and using the, what they're learning in ministry. Everybody here is welcome to sign up if you would like to earn a degree, uh, an associate's degree or bachelor's degree. You can earn one. It's all free. There's 115 courses or so that you can do online or just by coming here. Uh, you can, you can, this is a course. And if you, uh, so you, and you don't have to do anything if you don't want, but if you wanted to count towards a degree, there's a, there'll be a final at the end, which is just questions that I put up there every week that you can see all along about something that I say during the message. And then you have to write a little paper and that's pretty much it. So it's a great way to uh, earn some course credits and you could, you could easily earn a, uh, an associate's degree over about a four-year period if you were doing this and the Sunday uh, lessons as well. We roll that into a course, take other courses if you want. They're all good. They're all free, and uh, it's a very great situation. So that's available to you if you would like. We're working right now through a course we, we've called the Epistles of Paul. Oops. So uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I don't care. I have mind rings sometimes. It's hilarious when it happens up here. So don't worry about it. Um, the, uh, the epistles of Paul. And we've been working through the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, uh, the early churches. Remember, the, uh, everything was new. Um, the church was a brand new thing. And they weren't sure how to handle a lot of situations. And the Holy Spirit would uh, give Paul insight into you know, how to deal with situations and, and the way they needed to be dealt with. And uh, we've been watching that happen throughout the, the letters that we've seen. Uh, we're going to look today at um, the, the book of Colossians. And uh, Paul wrote this. Uh, it, probably Tim, Timothy was helping him. Paul would dictate a lot of these things and his guys would write them down for him um, because he's given some credit in the beginning of Colossians. This was written somewhere between 58 and 62 A.D. So uh, these... We have very early dates for the writings of all of the Gospels. The, the latest one that we think was John was writing, um, you know, the letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation, sometime around 80 A.D., maybe 90 A.D. But the, the canon was complete, not officially given that, but the books that are in it were all written by then. So within um, these guys' lifetimes who knew Jesus, the, the, the Gospels were written. There were books that were written afterwards that some people want to include, but they, they weren't first-hand books, so they're, they're way off, and they didn't make it into the early church canon, and so we, we don't hold them in the same place as, as the infallible Word of God. Um, but you have guys writing fairly quickly. Sometimes people ask why they didn't write sooner than they did, um, because if, if Jesus, uh, if his, you know, if the crucifixion resurrection was somewhere around 30, 33 A.D., um, why didn't they start writing for 20, 30 years? Um, the, you know, the Gospels and everything. And the most reasonable answer to that would be that when Jesus, you know, ascended, they thought he was coming back pretty quick. Uh, they didn't know it was going to take a while, and so they didn't bother writing things down right away. They just went and taught what they knew and shared everything that Jesus had shared with them, and and uh, they they went and traveled and spoke these things. And at some point, as they started getting a little older, they thought. I guess they began to realize, well, maybe he's not coming back as quickly as we had imagined. We better write some of this stuff down. And as the Holy Spirit inspired them to do that, um, you know, human authors, but written by the Holy Spirit, they they put these things down for us so that we have them today. 
um, we're, we're thankful that we have the Word of God today in the form that we do. Uh, so really, within 30 years or so, the, most of the gospel, most of the letters had been written. Um, the theme of Colossians, it's about the Lordship of Jesus Christ and, and how He's sufficient in meeting uh, our needs in every area of our lives. And um, we have to know that uh, in this, this um, world that we live in, in the way that we live, that, that Jesus is all we need. Um, what He did for us was enough, and, and uh, he, He's enough for our salvation and also for our sanctification and ultimately, um, you know, our, our future. Uh, remember, I, I say this to you from time to time. There's, there's three sort of aspects to salvation. You are saved, you're being saved, you will be saved. You are saved when you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. When, when you hear and respond to the gospel message by faith and you give your life to Jesus, you're saved. And, and that is known as being justified. You're justified. You should remember that. Justified. The way to remember that, just as if I'd never sinned. That is one of the most amazing things to grasp is that, that God chooses to see you once you come to know Jesus in the perfection of His Son. So even though you, you still, when you're honest, you know that you're still a mess, God sees you in the perfection of His Son. And, and that's why we have access to the throne room and, and why so many things are so awesome for us in this life. Um, but then we're being saved, and that's the idea of sanctification, that when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit um, comes as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, an amazing deposit. And, and his whole ministry in us is, is helping us to grow uh, in the process. He leads and he teaches and he guides uh, and, and he, he takes us on this journey. And that's the process of sanctification. Uh, and it's an ongoing event. So while in effect you are sanctified, you're also being sanctified. Just in the same way that you are saved, but you're being saved. And, and so, so people will get stuck there sometimes. Well, am I sanctified? You are, and you're also being sanctified. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. But... But you are because you're already justified. God's already seeing you in the perfection of His Son, which, as Dan, I said, is an amazing deal that you need to get hold of. And, and the reality of this, this life, sanctification, yielding to the Spirit, is that, that that should be, you know, our understanding of how this life goes. That, that we, we're to live as, as believers listening to and looking for um, what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And w- when, we, when we do that, it changes everything. It becomes less about us and more about Him and less about our story and more about His story. And, and it's not that our story is not important. It is, but, but He's invited us to, to bring our story into His because it's really His story. And so, you know, I hope we've been talking about those things for a while. I hope you get that, that, that you know, the, the, I always encourage you to read the Bible from beginning to end. This is His story. But... And, and we've looked at the idea that, you know, the first three chapters of Genesis start it, and the last three chapters of Revelation complete it in amazing ways, the way they tie together. It's fascinating. When you think about they were written, you know, 1,500, 2,000 years apart, and that the entire Bible was written over that period of time by uh, over 40 different authors inspired by the Holy Spirit, 66 books. But that the story runs from, from beginning to end and uh, in, in starts and completes. But at the same time, because of who God is, um, there's an ongoing part to the story. Remember I said, you know, I like to think of it this way, is that the book of Acts um, recorded this, the church, the early church, up to a point. And I've even told you this. It ends funny. It doesn't have, a, it doesn't have an ending. 
And, and the reason I believe it ends the way it does is because the story of the church is ongoing. We're not adding to Scripture any longer, so don't, don't hear me say that. But the story continues on in us. And, and the church has a story that's been going on for a couple thousand years. So that's, to me, that's fascinating and why it's so exciting uh, to, to live this life. So um, what Paul's going to get at here is that uh, Jesus... Um, is enough. He's sufficient for every area of our lives. And so our part is knowing and understanding the gospel. And, and I will say this again because it's one of those things I, I insist that you know. The gospel, the good news, the best summary of it is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. So if you ever have someone who comes to you with a different gospel, and they do, they will, you need to know what the gospel is. That, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Uh, that he, he was buried and that he rose again according to the Scriptures. That, that this whole story was according to the Scriptures. Uh, the, the whole process, we knew it was coming and Jesus does it perfectly. But that's the Gospel. And, and that's what we have to hear and respond to by faith. Um, because our sins had separated us from God. We needed a way back. We couldn't get back in our own strength. So Jesus comes and does it for us. Uh, and, and we just have to believe that he did that according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the good news. If someone is bringing you something different, uh, you need to ask them what they think the gospel is. And if it's not along the lines of what I just gave you in 1 Corinthians 15 and 3 and 4, you know that they're, they're trying to preach to you a different gospel. And, and you are not supposed to take then that, that sort of separates you. You, just, you love them. You be kind to people, but you don't take in what they're saying. So this life that we have in Christ... Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a family. We're a part of a, a community. It's a, it's a way of life. It's not just a bunch of rules and rituals, which we talk about all the time. So let's look at Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And, and this is, you know, really where it, Paul lets us know who Jesus is, and it's important that we understand who he is. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood, shed on the cross. See, that's a powerful passage of Scripture. And, and having a, an understanding, a biblical understanding of Jesus is crucial to our salvation. Um, lots of groups will say that they believe in, in Jesus, but they don't believe in the Jesus presented in the Bible. That's why you have to understand who he is and what took place and, and what it means in the process. Um, we have to understand the significance of the fact that Jesus, his deity, that he was he is fully God, but also fully man. Um, and, and, you know, we, we have to know that. Was in, so he had to be fully man so that he could die. And he had to be fully God so that his death would pay for our sins. Uh, and that understanding is one of the most important that you will have, because if you're not settled in who Jesus is it, and all that he accomplished for us, um, every other part of your theology is going to be messed up as well. So it has to go back to that. Um, that's really the issue. It's not about... Um, so some people want to get into 
what they think about what Jesus taught or didn't teach or whatever. But the reality is, it's all about the resurrection. If he, if he was resurrected, then you, everything that he said, you need to listen to. And if he wasn't, then none of it matters. There's no in-between for that. And that's why you need to know who Jesus is and what he did. And that, that you know, as we get ready to celebrate the resurrection, that's why we have to understand it. If he, there was no resurrection, then it's, 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 it doesn't make any sense. He didn't do what he said he was going to do. Don't listen to any of it. But he did. and Because uh, if you go back in 1 Corinthians 15 and read um, beyond verse 3 and 4, it also says that, that after he rose again, he appeared to many witnesses. Uh, not only the disciples, but 500 as well. And, and when Paul wrote it, he said, and many of them are still alive, you can go and talk to them. So the, the resurrected Jesus was lots and lots of people. There's lots of eyewitnesses to that and eyewitness testimony is still an amazing thing and we have plenty of it so that we understand that so um, you know the, the reality that him being fully man and fully God it, it means that, that we can begin to understand the amazing love this never ending love that he has for us um, and, and you know just the, the titles that he has in scripture uh, you know he's our good shepherd which means he leads and he protects and he he cares for us. Uh, he's the light of the world. He illuminates, you know, our, 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 our walk through sometimes what's a, a difficult world as we wait for his return. Um, it, back in the Old Testament, he, he was known, Jesus, as the Prince of Peace. And, and he brings peace into our lives. Peace that passes understanding. Because when we're at peace with him, we can experience his peace and we can be at peace with others. Uh, I sang that song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. He's our rock. You know, First Corinthians 10.4, he's... He's immovable and secure, and we can trust Him, and that's where we find life. So, so that passage of Scripture is very important in understanding who Jesus is. Colossians 2, 6-12, through 12, I thought we would touch on. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principle of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In Him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through your faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. Uh, once again, Paul is dealing with that group that we talked about in the other um, letters in this study, the Judaizers. You remember them? And the Judaizers came out of the church in Jerusalem, and they thought that they had more authority than Paul, and they were demanding that the Gentiles be circumcised. And Paul stood against that, that it's not how it's supposed to be. You can't put that stuff back on them. And that um, what we have is uh, we, we, we are circumcised, but it's a circumcision done um, uh, by Jesus. And so that's very important, not done by human hands. Colossians three twelve through 17. Therefore, this is how, in light of that, we're supposed to be living. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive... As the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And again, this is the life that should be produced in us as we yield to the Holy Spirit. And it's the, when you're much more able to do that when you grasp that it's not all spinning around you, that you're not the center of this story. And, and so when you're not trying to get yourself into the center of the story and taking everything as it, you know, it's all, you know, about how it affects you, um, but, but you realize you're, you're being led by the Holy Spirit and you're part of a bigger story, then the little things that often upset people will stop upsetting you. And because it, it doesn't have to take you into those places. You don't have to defend everything all the time uh, in life. And, and, you know, it's okay to be wrong sometimes. We're learning. We're growing. We're in process. Uh, and so we don't have to be threatened by other people. And, and um, we, can, we can sort of take what people are saying and understand that oftentimes the way people are presenting themselves to us is because of their mess and their brokenness and their hurt. And that's their style of relating. And if we don't, you know, immediately react to it, we can sort of listen to it and process it. And we can be much kinder and gentler with one another, which is, you know, how we impact the world around us. Not critical, not sharp, not acting like we have, you know, we know everything. But, but understanding whose we are uh, and settled in that, it, it does change the way that we operate in the world around us. So we can forgive and we can... Be people that are humble and gentle and patient and kind. That's a great list, isn't it? Compassionate. But all of that is about understanding that this walk is lived by yielding to the Holy Spirit and always trying to stay plugged into that. Colossians 4, 5 and 6. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full, always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And uh, again, so important, it, outsiders, that, you know, people that haven't yet come to know Jesus. How, how do we act towards them? And we have to be careful that the church has a history of sort of, uh, we'll call it circling the wagons. And what they do is they, they're in and they sort of circle the wagons and they, they, the church will sometimes get it's an us against them mentality. And that's not how we're to live. It's not us against them. It's... it's uh, we, we are in a relationship with Jesus that is so amazing that we want other people to know it. And, and, and so, you know, we want to live in a way that offers people that don't yet know Jesus um, the opportunity to, to know him. You know, everywhere Jesus went, just, when you read the, the Gospels and you look everywhere he went, he was looking for people on the outside. And he would stop, and he would spend time with them, and he would pray for them and encourage them, and he always extended the kingdom to them. And that's how we're supposed to be living in the midst of our normal lives, you know, aware of the fact that there's other things going on, and, and really listening again to the Holy Spirit and how we deal with people, uh, and, and to love them well, um, because that's their way in, and it's important. You know, you're, you're the Jesus that people meet, uh, and you need to know that. And you need to think about it. You're going to mess that up sometimes. I still, you hear about my driving escapades. I still don't have it figured out. I still will not put bumper stickers on my car. Talk about Jesus because my, my driving is not yet at that spot. 
Ah, so uh, I also want to talk about Philemon real quick. Another another letter. This the smallest of Paul's letters. In fact, in the Greek uh, text, it's only 353 words. Um, so uh, it's a very short letter, very powerful letter. And the reason I'm doing it with the letter to the Colossians is that Philemon hosted a church at his house in in uh, Colossus. Uh, so, so uh, this was written by Paul uh, in about A.D. 60. And it's about a guy named Onesimus. Uh, and it's actually a very interesting story. You know, I tell you sometimes names mean a big deal. And Onesimus actually means useful. And Onesimus was a slave in Philemon's household. And at some point, um, Onesimus takes off uh, and um, he apparently steals something on his way out and he goes to wherever Paul is and he meets up with Paul and uh, Paul isn't there at the time and he gets saved. He comes to Christ and he hangs out with Paul and uh, he, he, gets, he gets radically saved. So uh, Paul writes this letter back to Philemon on his behalf and he says, uh, let me read it to you. Uh, Philemon 1, 10 through 18. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. That's that play on language, right? That's his name meant useful, and yet he used to be useless, even though that was his name. He wasn't, but now he's useful. I'm sending him, my very heart, back to you. Uh, I would have liked to keep him with me, so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in change for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. That's Paul's nice way of saying, when he gets back, send him back. <laughs> but, I don't, but, you know, but it's up to you. Totally your call. Yeah. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have uh, him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done anything, if he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. So Paul's saying, whatever he did, I'll take care of it. But, but I'm sending him back to you. But he's, he, you need to know in Christ, he's way more than a slave to you. He's, he's your brother in Christ. And so I, I thought we'd just touch quickly on slavery um, and what's going on. Because... See, all of us in Christ, um, we've been redeemed from the slavery of sin. We were all slaves to sin. Because we've been set free from that, uh, we, we should want to see people set free from every type of slavery in the world today. And unfortunately, slavery still goes on today all over the world in all sorts of ways, horrific ways, um, that, that still take place. And sometimes people read the Bible, and one of the things that they take against it was that it seems like the Bible... Um, condoned slavery. And they think that because in the Bible it does talk about how, how slaves are to be treated, um, both Old and New Testament in the process. And so because, you know, it, it talks about how they're to be treated, it, they always go, oh, well, the Bible said slavery was okay. Um, here, here's what you need to know. The slavery that's being talked about in, in Bible times was absolutely and completely different from what people equated to that had been taking place now for the last three or four hundred years, which is horrific and abhorrent to God. Uh, the slavery back then was more of an economic thing. Uh, people would sell themselves into slavery. They, they weren't forced into it, um, often to pay debts or because there wasn't other work or whatever. It was a reasonable thing for them to do. 
Uh, and, and from all types of society, people would do that to, to pay their debts. And so they weren't enslaved because of their nationality or, or where they were from or because they were thought of as inferior in any way. Um, they, it was an economic thing. They, they couldn't either pay for their debts or couldn't take care of their families, whatever. And for a period of time, they would, they would sell themselves into slavery. Uh, and so there was a payment for their services, but, but it was often a way that they paid their debts off. That payment didn't go to them. It would go to their debts. And then what they would do is they would work that off in that process. That's what slavery was. And um, the Bible always um, condemns the, the type of slavery that we've talked about over the last three or four hundred years, which sees as anybody as being inferior. Because the Bible says that everyone was created in God and in His image. And, uh, and so, really, the, the, the idea was that they were going to treat everybody equal, even back in the Old Testament, even people in this position. Because it existed doesn't mean that God condoned it. It was just something that was already taking place uh, in, in the world then. That sin had um, you know, corrupted everything from the very beginning, right? So... Uh, the Bible talks about a type of slavery that's absolutely nothing like um, what we've known over the last few centuries. And here's, here's what people don't seem to understand. Both in the Old and the New Testament, um, the, the Bible condemns absolutely the practice of man-stealing. Uh, so if, if people are kidnapped in any way, shape, or form and forced into slavery, that is absolutely forbidden in the Bible. Uh, in the Old Testament, the punishment for that was death. Uh, in Exodus 21:16, anyone who kidnaps another and either sells him or still has him when he's caught must be put to death. So, so you get the practice of what we understand was absolutely condemned scripturally from, from as early as the writing of Exodus. And it's backed up again in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy um, 1, uh, 8 through 10. Uh, it, 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 it absolutely forbids people they call enslavers. These people that are, that are doing that, that practice should have never happened. So when someone says to you, oh, the Bible condones slavery, no, it doesn't. It, it's from the beginning. It's been against it. And what the Bible has always done is to try and promote an equality among people um, from, from the very beginning. And so that absolutely changes the way that that looks at. So if you ever hear that, I just bring that up because slavery gets talked about very often. And I, I hear that excuse from people all the time. Well, that's, you know, how can you believe in a book that condones slavery? And Well, it doesn't. Uh, slavery was an issue back then, different than ours now. Uh, and the Bible was trying to elevate people. And the reality is in Christ, when we're all equal, that, that, you know, it takes away the premise for what we've had over the last few centuries uh, if they don't try and make it say something other than it does. But if the practice of putting people into slavery by kidnapping them is completely forbidden, it shouldn't have never existed. It, should, it shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't have been an issue. It is because it's sin. But... Uh, I just thought we'd talk about that. And, and when you read about Onesimus being a slave and Paul saying, you know, you need to treat him like a brother, you need to understand the dynamic in that process. Anyway, it's enough for tonight. Uh, if you're watching my video, thanks for watching.